Welcome to Excel Leadership, an organization devoted to navigating enterprise on the high seas. Core values, core leadership, and core training. Dr. Bill Purvis is the leader of one of America's megachurches, a highly sought after motivational speaker and founder and CEO of Excel Leadership. Businesses and industries today spend enormous amounts of money on training and wonder why they aren't seeing the results of these expenditures. Excel Leadership delivers results. Excel Leadership challenges you to grow in your personal life, leadership skills, and alignment of core values to achieve your maximum potential. Let's listen in as Bill speaks to a live audience of people just like you who are eager to grow in their leadership skills. If you've got a team, this is the way to do it. If you don't have a team, then I want to teach you how to do it before you get one. And uh, that way you'll be able to keep the team which you get. I think it's one of the most uh, difficult tasks if you don't have a strategy because uh, the tendency can be with a team that we let everybody run on their own and, and in time they may just be there filling the spot and serving the, the, uh, the table but not really accomplishing something. So here's the, here's the goal. And we say team is a group of people with different talents and abilities who come together to achieve a, a common goal. I, and, and you can write this in your blank. I don't have it for you. But I believe that a team has to have three components. And, and those are they, they need competence. you got to have competence. Uh, and that may mean mental horsepower. That may mean their ability. Another is they need character. A team can't last without it. You've you got to have character. I've always said the first thing you've got to search for is character, but then the other has to build on it. And then the third thing is chemistry. Uh, if they don't have chemistry, you can't really gel together. And you really don't get chemistry by working together. You get chemistry by being together off work hours. Uh, I'll take my team. We'll go to a ball game. We may go to a fishing trip or do something. And, and in that kind of environment is when you gel. In that environment, you see each other without the... The, uh, the workload. And, and so chemistry is one of those keys. And some, some teams you'll see have one or two of these, but not all of these. If you get all three of them, you really are, are, are working together. We mentioned that as he signed the Declaration of Independence, um, Benjamin Franklin supposedly looked up at his fellow patriots and said, we must all hang together, or most assuredly we'll all hang separately. And uh, with your team, how do you get your team to hang together so that everybody doesn't hang separately? You know that Bill Parcells, who's now with the Cowboys, uh, he said his strategy for victory on the football team was this. What winning is in football, and I'll bet it's the same everywhere, is to get everybody on the same page and then to try to get the most out of everybody who's on that field. And he's right. Team is basically putting everybody together on one page and getting everybody on there to do all they can to pull their weight. So here's how the motivation is going to come, all right? Let me give you three ways. <clears throat> one is a common goal. If I'm going to have a team, I've got to have a common goal. And, and uh, we say there, you have to communicate the goal clearly and often. I've always found that that seems to be the breakdown. That's the place that I think sometimes hurts us because it's foggy to the team members or they're unclear. And if it's foggy or fuzzy to them, what happens is, is they will lose the, uh, the direction and they will get stagnant. And you may be so tired, if you're the leader, of talking about the vision. You're tired of hearing it, but you've got to keep telling it like it's the first time you ever told it with the same passion to the people because they will forget and they will lose track. And so you've got to have that common goal in front of you, and it's got to be very, very clear. And uh, we say that the common goal will obviously create energy, 
We mentioned here in your, in your parentheses here, a group's purpose must always be crystal clear to team members. The key to teamwork is not just giving people goals, but outlining concrete reasons why they should achieve those goals. Uh, Mark Sanborn, motivational speaker on the team building for career track publication in Boulder, says this, the motivation is the mission, the power is in the purpose. And he's right. It's, it's when I know what I'm doing. Uh, all of us have different, different motivations. I'm motivated by the fact, and I think my leverage, I leverage myself here, it keeps me big. In ministry, where I am, I believe that people are a living soul. They live and die, and they'll spend eternity somewhere in heaven or hell. I believe that. If I did not believe that, I'd do something else. And because I believe that people spend an eternity in a place called hell, and because in the city that I live in, in the surrounding area, it's already been noted 110,000 people in the Columbus, Phoenix City, Fort Benning area don't proclaim any faith, Baptist, Buddhist, non-believer. They're nothing. They have no religious affiliation. Because of that, I'm motivated to say that I get up every morning and go to bed every night thinking, what did we do to make an impact in 110,000 people that will spend eternity? And if they die and go to hell, did this church do anything to bring them to the awareness of what the cross is about? So that's why I do what I do. And if it ever becomes something else or just a job, I won't do it. I promise you I'll have that much integrity. Now, for your ministry, whatever that is, or job, or or, or vocation, what motivates you is going to be that you see a particular need. And when you say that's the purpose and that's the passion, I'd never work in a job I wasn't passionate about. I'd never go to work to a place that I just didn't love doing what I was doing. I think life is too, too uh, short to spend your life and spend your energy doing something you don't love doing. I had a lady that quit her job a while back, and, and she approached me and said, Bill, I, I make good money. She said, I make six figures. And she said, but I'm 35 years of age, and I'm having my first baby. And she said, and, and I just, me and my husband are having this war going on. She said, the biggest fight we're having. She said, I want to be a mother. She said, I'll die to be a mother. I just want to be a mother. And all my friends have already, their children are already in high school, and I've never had a baby. And she said, and, and my husband keeps saying, but we need the money. And she said, but he promised when we got married some 16 years ago, we would have a baby. And that's never been the agenda. And their big contention was that. And so I looked at him and said, did you make that promise? I said, yeah. I said, are you a man of your word? Well, yeah. I said, no, put well, yes or no. That's, you know, this, this answer. He said, yes. I said, well, the lady wants to raise her child. She wants to stay home and raise a kid. But, but we can't make it. Let me tell you, there's something far more important than having a membership at a particular club or, or driving a particular car. All that stuff's old. If your number one passion is to be a mom, do that. Well, it wasn't long ago that the husband now approaches me and says, you know, we made it. It wasn't the end of the world. She's happy she's ever been. We don't fight anymore. And I am loving this bit about being a father. I'm going to tell you something, and I mean this with all my heart. I think being a parent is the greatest calling in the world. And your job will come and go, folks. But you got a baby, you got a kid, you got a child, you pour your life into those. My friend right here on the front row lost his son just about two years, uh, just four months ago, wasn't it? Four months ago. And, uh, and his son's in his 20s. And I'm going to tell you right now, he'll tell you this in a New York minute, that having, having that privilege of being a father is the greatest privilege in the whole world. And so don't miss it. The message to all of us is, folks, we've got we've to understand that whatever we do, do the best we can with all we have and everything we have, and particularly if it's the thing that's of highest, highest priority. And so if it's my job, 
I, I've, I've got to see what the mission is. Now, we mentioned Henry Box. Motivation comes from the gap that exists between the way things are and the way, the way the team wants it to be. And that gap may be where you've got to say, we've got to get motivation to fire it up and move toward that. Number two is this. So it, once I figure out this is the common goal, folks, this is the target we're shooting at. This is where we're going. Then number two is this. To, to have a good team, you've got to have complementary skills and abilities. This is the hard part for me because uh, I want everybody to be on the team, but everybody's not equipped to be on the team. You know what I'm saying? You've you probably got people on your team right now that you say, we can't go any further with those folks. Now, you know what the hard one for me is? The one I deal with the hardest on that is if they come in and they say, why, why would you let me go? What have I done wrong? And I say, nothing. You haven't done a thing wrong. You're a good person. You've got character. I trust you. But you don't have the ability to go any further. And that's the hardest thing in the world for somebody that you say, I love them. But I also love them so much, I don't want them to struggle forever there and then being over the head and not being able to get past it. And, and, and that's a hard deal. You've got to make certain if your team's going to really be effective, you're going to constantly be having to grow that team and shape that team. That's why I recommend that Excel program or something, that you got them growing. you got to keep your team growing because the same team that you started with is not going to be the team that you're going to go any place with if you're not growing. So every one of them has to take some responsibility to grow, and, and it's your job to make sure they do. But the complementary skills means this. I've got to have people that can do the job I need. I can't just hire my friends. I, you, you'll find that the best teams have people on the team that they're not necessarily friends with. You know, they have chemistry when they work together, but they don't hang out after hours. You know, they basically say, okay, listen, we come in and we do these things and we give all we've got. But in the bottom line of it, they're not my best friends. My best friends are somewhere else. But at work, they do better than my best friends would. And so for that reason, I've got to have people that, that have the ability to get there. Now, the third one is, it's mutual accountability. Sometimes we can bring them on the team, but we don't keep them accountable when they come. One of the real dangers sometimes, we bring people to work and we say, okay, you're on the job, okay? Here you are, here's your job. This is the bottom line result of what we expect. And we pull out, bottom line is you've got to hit this many sales, you've got to do this much work, and we show them that. But in between hiring them and looking at the end result, we're not teaching them how to do the job to get those results. And then we come along one day and say, okay, you're out of here. And the problem is then we devastate a human being. We, we, we wreck them because we didn't show them how we do that how we, and, and, and hold them accountable in the smaller things. Now, mutual accountability will mean several things. A, establish a timetable for results. You have to tell up front, listen, folks, by this particular date, this is where we're going to be. I put our whole staff on one here, just here, in this place. and said, I want y'all here, or we're going to make some changes. And, and me and my team, we're going to be here. And if we don't reach it, we're going to make some changes. I don't have a problem with that. In fact, almost every year, I've come along just privately with the finance committee, said, here's where we're going to be, and if we don't get there, I'll resign. I've had a resignation letter in my desk now, and moved desk 10 times. But, but I'd quit in a New York minute. I don't have a problem with that. I've always said, if a better leader comes along, hire him. They'd be stupid. You know, they ought to come to me and say, we love this organization so much. You've been so good, Bill, but we love it so much that we just found somebody else who's a lot better, and God bless you. Here's a severance. Adios. I promise you I'd walk right out the center door and say thank you, and I wish you well. I, I'm not in this to make sure i got a job. I'm in this to make sure we do the best we can. If I can't be the best quarterback on the field, I want the best one to show up. And, and, and that's got to be the mindset if you're going to keep growing. If you don't do that, you lose your hunger. When you lose your hunger, there's no point in going to work. 
And so the, the timetable for results is one of the ways it keeps you structured. The other is, and this is my rule here, that, that this one is the one that you need to practice at home and at work. Don't allow conflict to go underground. One of the real dangers with teamwork is when there's an issue and you don't talk about the issue. You, know, you just don't bring it up. I, I, I think if, now I don't think you ought to bring up every little petty thing. You know, there's some people that Lord knows, they, they, you know, they just drain you with all that. But if it's a real conflict, if there's an impasse, if there's a problem, you don't need to go to the water fountain and talk to somebody else about it. You need to go into the room, shut the door, and talk to the person that can resolve it. And, and, and you should never have conflict going underground. If, if you don't do that, what will take place is in time you get a cancer and you, you lose energy. There ought to always be, my belief is this, I don't believe that there ought to ever be written an anonymous note. Anybody won't put the name on something, doesn't tell you one thing, they're liar and untrustworthy. Anybody who's honest, put the name on it. And so never write an anonymous don't ever, don't ever say somebody said. You know, I want to know who said. Just this week, a man approached me this week, there's a problem, but I don't want to say what. Then don't tell me the problem. But you need to know the problem. Now, I need to know the name of the person with the problem. Well, I can't tell you. Well, then don't tell me. And, and he wanted to follow him about two steps. And I stopped him. This old Sunday morning. I said, no, no. Have I, what part of this do you not understand? If you want to tell me about a problem, you need to tell me who the person was. Because when I go and address the problem, I'm going to tell him you said it. No, you wouldn't do that. Sure I would. <laughs> I mean, this America, don't you have a right to face your accuser? If somebody's accusing something, he ought, to, he ought to know. And so he dealt with it for a minute. He said, it's a serious problem. I said, well, then you need to tell me who, what, when, where, and how. And finally he said, okay. And it took all he could. His name is so-and-so, and here was the problem. And it was a serious problem. I said, okay, I'll call you this afternoon. And as soon as I got home, I called this particular guy. We didn't sit down, sat down with him. And, and we, we were able to at least surface a problem and deal with it. And it, went, it didn't go far. It, it went right there where it should have gone. And it's on the road to recovery. But it would have never worked. We'd say, well, thank you for the problem. I'll make sure I tell it, but don't tell anybody else. You know, you know, these people that come to you at work and they say, I don't know why people tell me this. I'll tell you why. They think we're a garbage dump, you know. I mean, that's where you dump garbage. So don't let them do that surface that, keep that up front. Don't ever let conflict go underground. In the long run, the bigger your organization, the more you'll have to do that at times. But it won't take long. If people recognize that you will not let it go underground, even if they want to do it, they'll go to other people. You know, they won't come to you because they'll know if I go to you, suddenly you're going get to it, get it out. But that's the only way that you're going to be able to establish it and keep the momentum up. Number three is have great expectations. Generally speaking, people try to live up the expectation of the leader. That is, you, most of the time, to keep the motivation high, you've got to let the people know that are there that you see something in them they didn't see. Everybody needs a coach. Michael Jordan needs a coach. Everybody needs a coach. And so you have to say, I see this in you, and here's where I believe you can reach. But you can get there with a strategy. You can get there with some passion. You can get there with, with, uh, with some friends and help. But I see this in you. And I really believe that all of your team members need to know at times that we expect big of them. It's, I've used that illustration before where I went in this place to do a fundraiser. They thought the biggest fundraiser they'd reach was 20000 We walked out with about 60000 And it was the <coughs> easiest thing. When we got in the car, the guy chased me and Rick out of the driveway and said, hold on, wait a minute. How in the world did you do that? He said, everybody that analyzed it said this, and I believed it, that the most we'd ever raised was 20000 And you said sixty, and you got sixty tonight. How would you do it? What's the magic? And I said, here's the deal. Those people had failed you, dropped the ball, and... They, between you and them, there was a trust issue that was already there, and, and it was a lack, lack of it. Because of that, you only believed that they could go to 20, and they could see it in you. 
And I said, now, here's the problem. I went in there with no, no broken promises, no lack of trust, and I went in there and believed for 60. I believed they could do it, and they felt that. You see, <coughs> it's, it's good when a person believes in the leader, but it's more beneficial when the leader believes in the people. And when you believe in them, have they failed you before? Have they let you down before? Have they dropped the ball before? Sure, but, but, the, but they know if you believe in them. And, and, and if, they, if, you, if you believe in them, you'll get more than you would if it's them believing in you. And, and so you have to reverse that. And that's the part that sometimes may take walking in the hallways or sitting down with them and saying, listen, I just want you to know I believe in you. I believe you can do this. I don't want you to quit. This is where I believe that you are, and this is the reason I wanted you on here to begin with. And my feeling for you has never changed. And, and if you can do that, what takes place is they need and we all need somebody who believes in us. <coughs> Every one of us do. Sometimes you're going to only have to jumpstart somebody once in a while. I did that with a professor one day that we sat over here to Shawnee's restaurant. He said, Bill, my world's been so rocked. It's over. I can't get any further. What am I going to do? And, and he really had been hit hard about three major areas in a short span of time. And I remember leaning across the table and said, listen, I understand right now you don't have any confidence in you. He said, no. And I said, you don't have to. I have confidence in you. I'm still your friend. I'm still with you. I'm going to still support you. doesn't matter what the outcome's going to be. I've got your back always. So at this moment, I'm going to jumpstart you. I, I'm, you just believe what I believe in you until you can start believing in yourself again. Would you do that? And he did. To this day, he's still here. That, that's the key. Sometimes you have to, especially with your kids, you know, I believe in you. Man, I, I'm not going to fail. I'm not giving up on you. I see more in you than you see in you and anybody else sees in you. It doesn't matter what they think or say. I believe in you. And when you believe in people, there is something that happens in people who others believe in them. <coughs> the, uh, the other D is respect authority. <coughs> Just teach people to respect authority. If you're going to exercise authority, you've got to respect it. The greatest way to model it is this. If they're going to follow your authority, you have to be, under your, your leader, respectful. That doesn't mean you always agree. I don't want people that rubber stamp everything I say. You know, I don't want people that just say, well, you know, Bill said it, so we got to do it. I want their brains. I want them to challenge me. I want them to debate it. I want them to argue with me. I want them to tell me sometimes that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life. And, and I don't mind that at all. I mean, it, it doesn't bother me at all. But if they think mine's stupid, I want them to have a better one. I, 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 you know, just don't tell me mine's dumb. Bring something to the table. But in the end, there's got to be respect. And the way we say a disagreement is the key to it. So I believe that we ought to give freedom to disagree. But there's got to be under that still respect for authority. And the greatest way to do that is to model it. If I model it, I get it. If I, if I don't model it, I don't get it. So that's, that's the way to do that, I think. Uh, and, and, and the way, the quickest way is to find people in authority. Teach your children to respect the school teacher. Uh, teach your children to respect the, uh, uh, and, and, you know, your boss. Uh, make certain that, uh, that as you honor those above you, you demonstrate to those around you that that's the system that we play by. And so that's the great. By the way, you get authority when, when you give it, uh, <clears throat> when you give it with respect. Uh, the other is, E is let them see you sweat. That means you can't walk in five days a week with a set of golf clubs and say, y'all better work hard. You know, I mean, I'm going out here to work on my game. Y'all better work hard. Uh, they need to know that, that it's okay to play golf. I believe you ought to do My belief is this. Work hard, play hard, okay? I mean, just whatever you do, just do it with all you got. But, but there's got to be a time that you say, I'm going out here to recoup, relax, or whatever, but here's what I'm doing in the meantime. And in the meantime, I'm going out here and I'm going to do some work. And mine, my pleasure, my playtime for me is still work. I mean, I'll, I'll take three guys golfing that, 
They ain't even thought about God because I'm in ministry. I get the biggest heathens. I mean, they're drinking and betting on every hole. But, but my, I got one bet underneath that. I got one bet that one out of those three is going to come to church on Sunday. And somewhere in the middle of that, you know, I'm going to wind up getting one of those guys in the pew. And the wife's always going to come up and say, I can't believe he's here. 20 years I prayed. Nobody believes him. Did you know my kids called this morning? Daddy really going to church? Hey, he played golf with that preacher. And, and I don't know what that is. Somebody made the joke one day. They said, don't look him in the eye. I swear there's something in his eye. He'll get you. If you look him in the eye, they said, it, it'll get you. And, and so that's, sometimes I'll meet people. They'll be looking all around. And I swear it's not true. But you got to have the, even your golf game, everything you do, your play ought to be, I'm playing with an agenda in mind. And, and if you're wired up that way, I'm wired to where my radar is always working. You know, it's just, I mean, we're talking, my radar is working. And, and I'm saying, there's a leader, there's a person, there's, here, here's where they can go. And I think everybody wants to go to the top, so I'm thinking all the time, well, if they just had this and this and this, they could get there. But I really believe that if they see that you work, you give it all you got, they'll respect that. I'll give you a quick, uh, quick closing illustration of it, and that is, I heard about a farmer one time that he had one mule, and the mule could, could do five acres of land a day. And uh, these other guys had two mules, and they couldn't do but three a day. So they just had a real problem. They said, we don't understand. How does he take that one mule, get five acres? We've got two mules, and we can't, we can't plow but, but three acres. So they went to him. He said, well, I don't know what the secret is. I don't know what y'all are doing. They said, well, could we go out and watch you work your mule? He said, sure. So they came out, and they all gathered around the fence, and they watched. He strapped up his mule, got him all hooked up. Then he put these blinders on his one mule. Now, most people put blinders when they got two mules, but not one. But he puts blinders on his one mule. And they thought, well, that's strange. What's he doing? And then he gets out there and he says, uh, he said, all right, let's go, Charlie. He said, attaboy, Bill. Way to go, Fred. Keep it up there, David. And, and they're looking and they say, what is that about? That old mule just takes off. So when the mule comes back and he's already got an acre, they stopped him. and said, what do you call out all those other names for? He said, well, if he thinks that he's got a team around him working, he'll work twice as hard. <laughs> And I think that all of us need to believe that the whole team around us is seeing the goal and we're all working together. I think we'll work harder when everybody around us is working harder because none of us want to be the people that are behind. I'm so grateful you're here. I thank you for being here. I think they're going to do a gift or two for you right now. So uh, we're going to do some giveaways. and. Uh,